Wow. Did you get all that? <laughs> what a song by Lost and Found. Uh, a little blast from the past, but also a drink from the fire hose uh, with the review of the Reformation. Recall the tenets of the Reformation. Grace alone, faith alone, and scripture alone. And of course, the purpose of the Reformation to comfort terrified consciences who were afraid of becoming condemned. To release people from the guilt and shame of their sin. To place the word of God back into the hands of the people. To unchain that word from the rectory and unleash it on the rest of the world. So that people could read the power and promises of God for themselves. Judge church teaching for themselves. And also order their lives according to it. And this gift of the Reformation would help the church proclaim the love and forgiveness of Christ as a free gift of salvation to all who would place their hope and trust in the Lord. To shift focus from rites and relics and rituals to reception and relationship and rejoicing. All because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because of the Reformation, friends, millions and millions of people all throughout the world this day, this very day, believe as we do that we are saved by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Not by works, so that no one could boast. If we're ever to boast, we boast in the Lord. Amen? Amen. That's what happened back then. But what about now? What about here and now? If the reformation of the Christian church happened today, what would God have us reform? Well, this message could go in a lot of directions, perhaps uh, preaching and teaching against the abuses of God's word, maybe against the prosperity gospel that claims if you believe a certain way and behave a certain way, then good things and godly things will happen to you and you'll get promotion and elevation among all others. Or perhaps teaching and preaching against the culture of the day, that the culture has become too secular and because we're not placing God in his rightful position, all of these confounded curses have come upon us. But today, I believe for the reformation of the church here and now, the Lutheran Christian church, yes, but across all of Christendom, I believe that the parable that Jesus shared of the lost son from Luke chapter 15 contains some powerful lessons for us as the church of today as we consider what God might have us reform in our lives, in our relationships with one another, but also as a family of faith looking to connect with others. Allow me to retell part of the parable of the lost son that Jesus used to teach not only his followers, but also the religious leadership of his day. They were present, they were listening in on this, and he had a very strong message for them as well. We recall this parable of the lost son. There's a son, for whatever reason, he is choosing to leave his family out from under their rules, out from under his father's protection. And he is going to go off by himself and live life his own way, on his own terms. So he asks his father for his portion of the inheritance, which was an audacious request, by the way. Because to say that meant saying this, Dad, I wish you were dead. Would you please give me the money I'm due? Who would say that to a father? Who would say that to a gracious and loving father? But that's what this young man says. 
Dad, give me my portion of the inheritance and the property. Give me what I'm due. I'm leaving. For whatever reason, his father agrees, gives him his portion of the inheritance, and the son packs up and off he goes. And we know the story. He squanders his father's inheritance in wild and reckless living, rebelling against God, disobeying his father's commands and the rules of the household. And he does what he wants, when he wants, and how he wants. And wouldn't you know it, the money runs out. And when the money runs out, guess what happens to the friends? They also run out. It's interesting how that works. When you have a lot of money, you have a lot of friends. But when the money goes, that's when you find out who your true friends are. This man hires himself out to um, a person in this new country that he's visited. And for perhaps a Jewish boy from the area of Judea, working with pigs out in the fields would not have been his primary choice of vocation. There are some ceremonial laws that be violating being in proximity of pigs, especially tending to them. But because he has no friends, he has no family in this area, and because he's all out of money, he's hungry, he's tired and exhausted, and even the leftovers of the pigs seem desirable to him. Now just for a moment, in your hearts and minds, and perhaps even the posture of your position, if you lean forward in your seats and put your hands on your knees and take the posture and position of this younger brother, this youngest son, and he's literally sifting through the slop, looking for something, a morsel, anything that would provide nutrition for his body. He's come to the absolute end of himself. And as we place ourselves in this position, we think, boy, maybe sometimes in our lives, we've acted like the younger brother. We've positioned ourselves above the Lord. We've not been content with what we've been given. We look after other things and the pleasures of this world to provide fulfillment for our lives instead of a relationship of truth and trust in him. And we pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our arrogance ignorance and self-centeredness when we have made idols of ourselves and chased after the pleasures of this world rather than the principles of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we have this gracious father, this figure whom we know to represent the Lord God, Yahweh, the heavenly father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the true God, the triune God, the one God we worship and serve. And this gracious father sees his son off in the distance. The son perhaps is still rehearsing his speech that he's gonna come back to the family, not as a son, but as a hired servant. And the father sees his son in the distance. And imagine his heart swelling. He races out to meet his son, embraces him, calls for the servants to bring a ring and a robe and sandals to provide for him a place and position back in the family, not just as a servant, but as a son again, and also to provide him the comforts of home. And this was a very unusual thing for a person of that standing and stature to do at this time and place in this culture. Because if you were a man of means, if you had some wealth, 
If you were an important person in your community, if you were an elder among the people, then you didn't move all that much. And you certainly didn't run or race after other people. Instead, you would sit back and you would wait. And you would wait for other people to come to you with their requests. And you would delegate things from this place and this position of power. So this was quite interesting. This was an audacious and bold move on the part of the gracious father to actually run after his wayward son. But that's exactly what he does. And if for a moment you can place yourself in the position of this gracious father taking his posture, you would feel the spirit move in your heart and mind. You would sense that adrenaline coursing through your veins as before you knew it, you were up out of your chair and you were racing down the road to meet your son, your long lost son. And as the wind whips through your hair and you're running as fast as you can, tears of joy start to stream down your cheeks and your sole focus is embracing this son of yours whom you never thought you would see again. And your heart fills with compassion and love and mercy. In your heart and minds here in this moment, place yourself in that gracious father's position, arms outstretched, heart full of love, and not just, just can't wait to hold on to my child who's been gone from me for so long. And then pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your extravagant grace that we did not deserve. By your spirit, help us respond and reach out to others as we welcome those who repent and return to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Meanwhile, back to the story, Jesus shares in the parable that there's an older son. And where's the older son? He's out in the field. Why is he out in the field? Because there's work to be done. And what do older sons do? They do what's right. They do what needs to be done. They're the leaders in the family. The older son kind of senses all the commotion going on and maybe sees the celebration taking place in the distance. He asks one of the servants what's happening. The servant tells him, your younger brother has returned and your father has killed the fattened calf and the family is celebrating. Come, come on and join us. The older brother refuses. He actually becomes angry. And the gracious father actually goes out to this older son and tries to beckon him to come and celebrate, even begs him. And listen to the older brother's response. All these years I've slaved for you and never refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this, when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Wow. Such bitterness and resentment from the older brother in reaction to the extravagant grace of his father for this disrespectful and disobedient son. For a moment, if you would, place yourself in the position of the older brother. Straight and stiff. Arms crossed not only physically different from the celebration going on with his father and the younger brother, but relationally distant as well. Peering back up over your shoulder, perhaps. 
with that bitterness and resentment welling up and daggers in your eyes, not only for your younger brother, but also for the extravagant grace and gesture of your father. It's not right, it's not fair, and it's unjust. Here I've been all this time, all the while, doing what I'm supposed to do, and he gets a party, and what do I get? Nothing, just more work. And as we place ourselves in that position and posture of the older brother, we pray this prayer together. Heavenly Father, forgive us for our arrogance, ignorance, and self-righteous attitude when it comes to encountering and engaging with those who believe and behave differently than we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was taught this parable growing up as a child and even as a young person, whenever it was presented to me or, or whenever I was listening to a sermon about this particular passage, I was told and instructed to place myself in the position of the younger brother, that I was the one who had sinned, who had strayed, who had squandered uh, the grace of my heavenly father. But that there was good news for me, that I was still saved, I was still loved, I was still forgiven because of my Lord and Savior Jesus. And his blood covered me like that robe covered the younger son. And a ring was placed on my finger, that ring of relationship that meant that I was part of the family of faith forever. And even sandals were put on my feet because that's how gracious and generous our God is toward us, even when we've sinned, even when we've strayed. And if you're a younger brother type out there this morning, there's good news for you. Now you might, have gone to, you might not have gone to such extremes as the younger brother in the parable, but perhaps you're struggling with priorities. Perhaps you're struggling with the pace of life. Perhaps the pleasures of this world are trying to lead you off course a bit. There's grace for you and there's forgiveness waiting in the arms of our Heavenly Father. And he's wanting to receive you back into his family of faith forever, but also right here and right now as he extends his invitation of love and mercy for you and invites you to receive that gift of forgiveness in the Lord's Supper when we will receive the true body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and the strengthening of our faith and to provide unity for our congregation. There's good news for prodigals. There's good news for younger brothers. But I think our struggle as Lutheran Christians and perhaps as the Christian church has more to do with the older brother. Because for so many of us, We've lived most of our lives in the grace of God. There's never been a day that we've known that has been outside the, the word and will of God for our lives and the love and forgiveness of Jesus for our souls. And that is a beautiful blessing that we have received. And so sometimes growing up with this blessing, we tend to forget what it was like to be lost. And so we look to others and we're concerned for them but we're not quite sure what to do with them. We look to others who believe differently than we do and behave differently than we do, and we might not be bitter or resentful toward them, but boy, we, we tend to judge them. We look at them and say, why can't they get their act together? Why don't they come to church? Why don't they believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Why don't they 
received the forgiveness of Jesus like we have? Why can't they be more like us? Well, there's good news for older brothers. If that's your struggle, if judging others or gossiping about others or placing yourself above others is a struggle for you, there is good news for you because there is God's grace for you as well. In the parable, the father would say to this older brother, all that is mine is yours. Whatever I have is yours and you are always with me. And as we remember God's promises to us through his son, Jesus, surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Because you've been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, it is your privilege, it is your honor, it is your opportunity to share that grace fully and freely with others. There is grace for older brothers here this morning. And you also are welcome to the table of your Lord. Thanks be to God for this powerful parable in Luke 15. Thanks be to God for Jesus sharing us, sharing with us the response of the waiting father and his call to share the extravagant grace of God with everyone because it means there's God's grace available and accessible for you, younger brother. It means that God's grace and mercy are for you, older brother. And it means that God has promised you that what he has will be yours in Christ and that you will have a place in his heavenly home forever. Friends, as our culture grows more and more secular around us, the need for the church of 2021 to reform and express the grace and mercy of God to all people is all the more important. God, help us to reform our church in our time for your glory and for the sake of your people so that they see the center of that Lutheran rose, the heart and the cross of Jesus Christ and receive the blessings of the blood that was shed and the glory that is revealed because Christ rose again to new life. And God help us as we share that grace and mercy with prodigals and with all those whom you'll place in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.